At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Ooh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Brother From Another. I'm so excited uh, to be here. For those who are unfamiliar with the program, we have a lot of fun here. We cover a lot of ground. Sometimes we talk about sports, we talk about music, we talk about culture, talk about our lives, your lives, whatever is hot, we are going to talk about it on Brother From Another. We have a lot to get to today. Uh, Later in the program, I'm going to check in with Ashley Nicole Moss. Middle of the program, we talk some NBA with Kurt Heelan, pro basketball talk, and just a couple of minutes, we're going to talk to our guy, Mike Jones. Now, <clears throat> for those who don't know, I usually do the show uh, with a guy who goes by the name of Michael Smith. Now, Michael Smith has been around for a long time. That's my brother, hence the name of the show, brother from another, known him for a long time, and, and Michael Smith has a lot of quirks, and one of the things he often says, and it kind of, I really should be offended now that I say it out loud. One of the things he often says is that uh, he would quit the show yesterday if he had an opportunity to be an NFL general manager or assistant general manager or even a scout. He would leave brother from another for the NFL. So I should be a little offended by that, right? But now this week, I wonder if he's changed his mind. Because as I watch the actions, or as they say in Britain, as I study the movements... Uh, study the movements of some of these NFL teams. I wonder if my friend Michael Smith would be frustrated by the lack of imagination, the lack of curiosity, the lack of just getting business done, that desire to get business done that emanates from a lot of NFL teams. Why do I say that? Because Lamar Jackson is essentially, I know there's some details involved, but Lamar Jackson, not quite 27 years old, is essentially a free agent. It's a free agent. And and what it will cost you just to have a conversation with Lamar Jackson, wait for it, what will it cost you? Nothing! It will cost you nothing to have a conversation with Lamar Jackson. You're allowed to do that. He doesn't have an agent. So a lot of these NFL owners and general managers complain about, oh, too many lawyers in the room. Do we get the lawyers out of the room? I wish we could just go back and have the conversations without all these intermediaries and all these go-betweens. I want to get my message across to the, to the talent. Okay. Well, Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. He's an MVP in this league. And he's a free agent. And these trifling teams, a bunch of them, have come out already. I know some of them are lying. But a lot of these trifling teams have come out already and said they're not interested in Lamar Jackson. You're not interested in talking to him? I didn't say sign him. You're already going to say, before March 15th, when you can officially put a deal on the table, you're you're already going to tell people that you're not interested I live in Boston. I have uh, I've lived here for almost 30 years. Next year, it'll be 30 years. And uh, I'm going to have a party uh, based on my uh, 30-year anniversary in Boston. I mean, 30 years in Boston, and I'm not the modern-day Christmas addicts. I mean, that's that's cause for celebration all by itself, isn't it? No, I'm just playing. But look, look, really, I've been here for 30 years, almost. And the local team today, the Patriots, word got out that they're not interested in Lamar Jackson. The Patriots are so boring. They're a boring team. They've been boring since Tom Brady left town. They were boring even before Brady left second half of 2019. It's a long story. I'll tell you about it one day. But how are the New England Patriots with Mac Jones at quarterback who threw 14 touchdown passes last year? They won eight games. They're in a division with Josh Allen. They're about to be in a division with Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen. They're not interested. So uh, I'm going to bring this up before we bring on Mike Jones. I'm going to tell you these teams. Let me help out those who, who, who need some help because they really need some help. I counted at least 18 teams, 17, 18 teams 
who should be interested in talking to Lamar Jackson, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna break you up with the five most desperate teams. These teams should be most desperate to speak with Lamar Jackson. And then after we talk about these five teams, I'm gonna bring him bring in my guy, Mike Jones. The Washington Commanders, who have the worst stadium in football, the worst owner in football, the worst quarterback situation in football, have already had the gall to tell people that they're not interested in the quarterback who's 45 minutes down the road with good traffic, 45 minutes down the road who's already got fans in the area. You're not interested. Why not? Why aren't you interested? Tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me why. And I'm mad. I'm going to ask Mike Jones about it. He's going to have to criticize some of his colleagues. I'm mad at some of these insiders, these NFL insiders who just tell you, who just do these little drive-bys. They tell you who's not interested, but they don't give you context. I want to know why. Don't tell me the commanders aren't interested and the Colts who haven't had a quarterback since Andrew Luck retired. Why aren't they interested? The Panthers, desperate for quarterbacks, where they just keep going through the never-do-wells from the 2018 draft. They had Baker Mayfield. They got Sam Darnold. Who's next? I don't know, but they should be interested. The Raiders, I know they don't have any money. They don't have any cash, but they should pretend to be interested. Pretend like you got some money. The Raiders and the Houston Texans who have multiple draft picks, who have a head coach, who's a defensive-minded guy. So you have, who's going to run the Shanahan system in Houston. And you got Lamar Jackson, a guy who can run, a guy who can pass, who's dynamic. I don't understand these people. But Michael Smith, you don't want to be a general manager. You don't want to work with these kind of folk. Because I know how picky you are. And it would drive you crazy. You need to stay right here on Brother from Another. Anyway, let's bring in Mike Jones. Maybe Mike Jones can help me understand what's going on with Lamar Jackson because I expected a bigger party than this, Mike. I thought teams would be lined up to, to you know, make their offer, make their pitch to Lamar. And if you believe the reports from some of your colleagues, it's not happening. Please tell me why. Some don't smell right, does it? You know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't smell right. And that's why there are a lot of people who feel like the reason why we're not seeing the phones light up for Lamar Jackson is because these owners were really upset when Cleveland gave Deshaun Watson that fully guaranteed deal. We know Steve Bishotti, the owner of the Ravens, spoke out against it. And so there's a lot of people who feel like these owners got together and said, hey, 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 let's not do that again. Everybody, let's make a pact that we're not giving out fully guaranteed deals to any quarterbacks because it's going to be bad for business if we got to give every single one of these fools fully guaranteed deals and the number's just going to keep going up and up. And that that is why there are not people beating down the door because they know that Lamar Jackson has said, hey, I want a fully guaranteed deal like Sean Watson and I'm not playing for less than that. And so because they're all in cahoots with each other, that's why you're not seeing these owners go after him. Now they need him. You you listed off teams that definitely could use him, but there's one thing that these owners care about more than anything, and it's control and their money. And they don't want to bend the knee to this, you know, 20-some-year-old kid who's being his own agent and is being a shrewd businessman. They're not going to bend because they don't okay. want to be the next guy. Well, let's see. Okay, this is like, I don't know if this is the journalist in me or if this is just, you know, growing up around folks who used to say, how you know that? How you know about my business if you haven't talked to me? I used to hear that all the time. How do you know about my business if you haven't talked to me? So Lamar Jackson, let's get this straight here, Mike. Tell me where I'm wrong. Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent. Right. Okay. 
He doesn't have an agent. Right. And he is open. You're allowed to talk to him right now. You can mm-hmm. do some tampering. Right. It's not even tampering. You can just call up Lamar Jackson. So for these teams say, well, we're, we're, we don't want to talk to a guy who has who wants a fully guaranteed contract. How do you know that he wants a fully guaranteed contract if you haven't talked to him? So you go by media reports. You go by or or are you talking to the Baltimore Ravens? And you're going to the Ravens saying, hey, before we talk to your guy, because he's your guy. Because we know right. we're not trying to cause any damage for you. Before we talk to your guy, what is he saying? What is he saying in these negotiations? I mean, really, honestly, they shouldn't know what he wants without a conversation. This is a rare situation where it, you're not talking about Drew Rosenhaus. You're not talking about Tom Condon, like whoever is like the, the big time agents now. This is just Lamar. It's you and Lamar Jackson, which a lot of owners and general managers say they want. They always complain about the agents when things don't go their way. Right, right. now, they've got an open highway to Lamar Jackson, and they're not taking advantage of it. I, I just, this is such, it's not only a, an example to me of collusion. There's no question in my mind. It's, it's that. Right. But it's just, it's just such a bad business. I, I, I guess I've, I've been naive in making the, uh, the false assumption that just because somebody's in the NFL and they give lip service to winning a championship and doing the best for their team, that they actually do it. And teams don't actually want to do what's best for their team. No, they definitely don't. Because again, it's about control. They want to be able to maintain control. They don't want to be strong-armed into anything. And yes, it would make sense because you know how many times that there are teams that just kick the tires and do their homework on somebody? But for these guys to just, you know, all of these teams putting out through various channels, not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested. That's because they did their homework. They called up Baltimore and said, hey, what is he saying? What's he like? What's the, you know, what, what, what's the demands? And they, they've got their wink nod agreement. Hey, we're not meeting that. And, you know, again, if you're really about winning, you know, you would do everything it takes and go after what, but we, should we be surprised? This league, they won't even hire black coaches, you know, because yeah. they don't fit their mold. You know, it, it took a long enough time yeah. for them to give black quarterbacks a chance, you know? So you think they're going to, you know, have some you know young quarterback who's ambitious enough to be his own agent uh, dictate to them? Nah, they're not going there. Hey, if I'm Lamar, it's just I'm just I'm I'm amused slash offended by the Commanders. We always talk about the Commanders, Mike. We always talk every time you're on. We talk about the Commanders. It's just such a bad franchise. I would just be, I'd be mad that they even brought my name up in a negative way. Like you're the most negative franchise, not only in the NFL, maybe in all of sports. And that's not an exaggeration. You're so negative. How dare you say you are not interested in me? You're the Washington commanders. You need everything. How dare you say me? I'm an MVP. I represent everything that you're not. I represent like hard work and integrity and dynamism and you're the opposite. You should be begging me to come down the road and talk to you for even 20 minutes. So oh, they, really, they if, you, if, if you're a Commanders fan or a Panthers fan, like how, how dare these teams say they're not interested in a top 10 quarterback in football? What? I, 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 I would just have a hard time. I'd have a hard time just rooting for teams like this. Yeah, and the problem with the commanders is they have such a mess on their hands with this ownership thing. And Dan Snyder, you know, uh, trying to, you know, we think trying to sell the team. Um, But, I mean, this guy isn't going to authorize them to give up a bunch of picks and devote a ton of, you know, guaranteed money when he might not even be there as the owner of the team. And so that's why they aren't able to do something like that. Um, It would be fantastic for that franchise they have been in the shadow of the ravens for how long now um you know this would be uh finally them 
being able to win back some of the fans who went further up the beltway to Baltimore because they're so disgusted. But because you have a bad ownership situation, he's either going to have to sell the team or be forced to sell the team. The team president, general manager, head coach, their hands are kind of tied right now. Uh, tell me about the, the other big quarterback news happening in the NFL. I keep checking, uh, checking my phone, checking all the reports every minute to see if there's been any uh, movement on the Jets and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I'm guessing you expect this to happen. It's inevitable. But what do you think about the match of, of Rodgers and the Jets? Okay. It would match because they have his good buddy Nathaniel Hackett who was there. But here's the thing that I wonder, okay, the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers has truly decided he, you know, is going to play again, the Packers have decided that they are done with him. If you're Rodgers, though, why do you want to go from the NFC where there really is no stone cold powerhouse and go to the AFC where you got to beat Josh Allen, then you got to get out of your division, you got to beat Justin Herbert, you got to beat Patrick Mahomes, you got to... You got all this, the, the road is so much harder. But if the Packers have said, hey, man, like, we're ready to start over, that is this place that makes a lot of sense for Rodgers just because of the fact that they've got young talent on offense and defense, and they have an offensive coordinator who basically is going to let him run whatever he wants in Nathaniel Hackett. So we'll see what happens here. I still would not be surprised if Rodgers winds up staying in Green Bay, um, but – uh, they are at least letting the Jets talk to him and give their sell job uh, to decide. I like that. Stay right there. Stay right there, though. Why? Why? Why wouldn't you be surprised if if Rodgers returns to Green Bay? Because he loves drama, and, and this is really the drama that he's getting. That's right. But he also right. loves he comfort, and, and he loves being a yeah. part of that Green Bay history and being a Packer uh, for life. And so then he's got what he wants as far as all this. What's he going to do? What's it? He's got the flirtation with them flying out to see him and give him the sell job. And then so he got his yeah. ego stroked. And then he says, ah, sorry, Jordan Love. This is still my team. I'm coming back for another year. You know, Mike, Mike, you're so right. I, I said this before with Aaron Rodgers said a few weeks ago, Aaron Rodgers loves the attention. He loves the attention. Do, do I think, okay, let's go back. Do I think that he really wanted to be the host of Jeopardy? No, I don't. I don't think, I, I think he liked the attention of, hey, a football player, uh, somebody replacing Alex Trebek is going to be me. No, 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 no. Not, no, it's not. You like the attention. There was a story, it was a great story, and I wish I could remember his name, ESPN writer, uh, ESPN.com. Keith uh, Valkenberg, maybe I, I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Sorry, but did a, did a feature story on Aaron Rodgers, and he talked about Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show and how he had this book. He had, he had the the Ayn Rand book behind him, and mm -hmm. uh, Atlas Shrugged, and he's never read it, but he likes the but he likes the provocative. He like people right. look at it. Oh, he's got that title behind him. Is he pro? A message of this book is he okay is, he, is where does he stand politically all this stuff he's kind of like he just likes he likes the drama he likes the attention so that's just right. really in line with what he likes to do and maybe you're absolutely right and here's the other thing Mike we talked about uh, general managers and owners who don't necessarily want want what's best for them or don't want to be held accountable Aaron Rodgers is running the Green Bay Packers right now. Yeah. And if he goes to another team, they're not necessarily going to let him run them the way he's run the Packers. Maybe he doesn't want that. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of unknowns, okay? Uh, you think, okay, they're going to roll out the red carpet for me. They've got my buddy there as the offensive coordinator and everything. But, I mean, it's still way different. You're still starting all the way over in a whole new city. And, man, if he gets annoyed at the Packers media, what's he going to do when he gets to New York? You know, yeah, that media, you know, market. I mean, so, man, I'm not so sure that he doesn't go back to Green Bay. And also, I wouldn't even be surprised if he winds up retiring. Nothing would surprise me with this guy. You know, well, I think I'd be more surprised me. if he's, you know, I, I just I, I think that he likes all the buzz. And so you think, OK, what's the craziest thing that he could do 
is drum up all this interest just to go back to Green Bay, drum up all this interest to retire. I don't know. I listened to that podcast where he talked about spending a whole day meditating and visualizing retirement life and then spending all day meditating yeah. and visualizing playing life, you know. What's it going to be? I don't know. Just hurry up and wake me up. Come on, bro. Tell me when it's bro, up, stop. You know? Stop. Stop. I've done that too. I've done that too. Yeah. I've spent like <laughs> a long time, like, you know, visualizing oh, what would it be like, you know, if I just can sit around all day, I don't have to go to work. It's great. It's great. And I don't have Aaron Rodgers money. Close. Right. I'm close. Right. I don't have Aaron Rodgers money. Oh, wow. That, Good for you. Mike, 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 listen. He's guaranteed how much money in 2023? It is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. There's no way he's not going to retire. He's not going to retire. Yeah. It's either going to be Green Bay or New York. And you're right. We should start. We should start thinking about the possibility of Aaron Rodgers saying something like this. He'll say something like this. You know, I really thought about it. I was tempted. You know, New York is great, but you know, my heart's here. My heart's here. I I, I want to. I want to spend my entire career with one organization. I'm a Packer. Right. That, that, that's where that, that, this is where I belong. I'm a Packer. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Does he really Mike want to always, do what Brett Favre did? Does he want to go from the, the Packers to the Jets like Brett Favre? You know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, you know, stay there. He's on back. the he's on the far path though. So far, he's doing the same thing. The will he or won't he? The Packers kind of have to tiptoe around it. They don't want to upset him. But then maybe he does a little U-turn, does a little U-turn and goes right back home to Green Bay. Mike Jones, you always got a home here, man. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you. Thank you, sir. If you ever wondered... Why the Memphis Grizzlies is not ready to compete for a championship? Look no further than this idiot right here. They're actually depending on this guy to help them win a championship. And he says his game is cool. Quite frankly, that just shows how little you know about basketball. And yet, y'all, you running around talking about a dynasty? The dynasty starts after you, not with you. Line... Of the month, line of yeah. the month for Draymond Green. I'm the the dynasty starts yeah. after you, <laughs> not with you. <laughs> what a line! That's Draymond Green talking about Dylan Brooks and the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, no surprise there. The Grizzlies and Warriors they played their uh, Western Conference semifinal series last year. It was contentious. Warriors won in the six games, and it's just been back and forth ever since. Uh, Kurt Heelan, tell me this. Does Draymond have a point about Brooks? Does he have a point about the Grizzlies as a whole not being ready? Well, they're not ready now. <laughs> they are they are reeling right now with the John Morant situation, with Steven Adams now out for longer, without Brandon Clark the rest of this year. I mean, this is a team... I mean, you noticed, Michael, they really started to stumble once Steven Adams went out. 
once the big yep. guy who did all the dirty work was suddenly off the floor, it's like, you know, they don't, uh, they're not quite the same. They miss, they miss everything he did. That said, I, look, the Grizzlies are a team on the rise, but I think the idea that they've got to find themselves is, it, it's legit, right? Like, it's not just John Morant finding himself. Like, Dylan Brooks, if, if you're going to come at the king of trash talk, you better not miss. And Draymond fired back with just punch after punch on that team. And it was, I think he's got a point that I'm not sure right now, watching them, how this season has gone for them, how nothing has changed, how they still don't have a great half-court offense, all this other stuff. I'm not sure. Are they ready? I don't, they don't come off to me as ready. So they're not ready because of some of the other things you mentioned, some of the things on the periphery, but let's get to the central one. You've already referenced it. John Morant, and so he's going to come back in mid-March. Four more games for Morant after the two-game, you know, hiatus, whatever you want to call it. What what do you expect from him specifically? You know, on the court, off the court. You know, when, when he uh, when he comes back. First off, I could be quick to add. It's a minimum of four games. They're they're saying it's at least four games. If it's longer than that, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see which John Morant we get back in the sense that like you've talked about it on the show. I've written about it. Everybody's been talking about it's kind of a pivot point in his life and, and he's got to find the path that works for him going forward, but he's got to find that path without losing the edge, that aggressive edge on the court that makes him the most dynamic player in the league, like the most watchable player in the league in a, in a pure entertainment sense, right? Like, how do you balance the those things? I I got a feeling that that's going to take I that might take longer than this year. The rest, I mean, this season. There's you know four weeks left before the playoffs start. I'm not sure that all that comes together again quickly enough for them. So I, the, we we start off talking about Draymond as a trash talker. And I guess we keep, you know, we always uh, check in on the Warriors. Uh, they, they get, they deserve that respect because of what they've done uh, over the past 10 years. But we look at them now in the Western Conference. Are, 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 are you convinced that somehow some switch is going to be turned on that they're going to make some run? Like, what have you seen? I, I feel like we do like temperature checks, like maybe like NASCAR, yeah. you know, pit stop. Pit stop on the Warriors. Okay, how about that? Five more laps. What do we see? Ten more laps. What do we see? What do you see right now with the Warriors? And and what do you think about them versus everybody else in this field? Yeah, it's kind of the heat check shot on them every once in a while. Like, have, have they found it? And, and the funny thing was Steve Kerr, I mean, they won five at home. It's like, see? And without Steph Curry, and they're like, that's it. We've got our groove. We're going to come back. This is it. I think this is our chance to turn the corner. Curry comes back, and they go on the road, and they just go back to losing games they probably shouldn't lose. The defense isn't where it is. I'm just, I can get away with saying this while Natalie's not on the show. I'm just out on them right now. I am just not sold yet that they have, that they're going to flip that switch quite the same way. And I I say that kind of respectfully because I wasn't convinced going into last playoffs that they had found the groove and then, you know, uh, they found the groove. Uh, But that said, I they're not defending at the level they had needed to, and I'm not convinced of their depth the same way I was last year, especially defensively. So I'm like I said, I'm just still out on them. I still don't believe in them totally. The problem is also, Michael, who do you believe in the West? Okay, well, I'm glad you asked that question because I, I feel like just as we wait for the Warriors to emerge and look like the warriors of the past. Are we waiting on the nuggets to collapse? Are we saying that what we see from the nuggets is not real? Uh, look, it, and I know it's, it's, it's been a lot of debate on this show in particular and a lot of shows on the MVP candidacy for the yeah. third year in a row. Number one for, for Nikola Jokic. All right. So if you're telling me that Jokic is going to be the MVP for the third straight year, but then you tell me you don't believe in the Nuggets. Then why is Jokic going to be the MVP for the third straight year? See, I believe in Jokic. I'm not a Jokic yeah. hater. I like him a lot. I love him. So because I love him, I look at Denver 
and I and I'm I'm going to declare the beginning of March before we get to the eyes of March. I'm going to declare this Kurt Helen yeah. to you. Um, yeah, the Denver Nuggets are the team to beat in yep. the West. They're the team to beat. And so, I, I, what are we waiting? What, what are we waiting for? I agree with you, by the way. If you make me pick right now, I'm picking Denver out of the West, and it's not with 100% confidence. But the problem I think we run into is we do this in every sport, kind of with every team, which is we don't really believe in you until you've done it. We don't, I'm not convinced you can win it till you win it. And we did it, you know, sometimes it works out. It's the Utah Jazz with Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell. We're like, I don't know, I don't know. And, and we get proven right. Like, yeah, we shouldn't have known. On the other hand, Back in 2012, we were doing that with the Warriors. Like, I don't know about these guys. All this jump shooting, are they defending? Yeah, it turns out they were pretty good. Like, they, they pulled it together. So I'm, I think that's where most people are. I've come around to them just being the most complete team in the East, in, in the West. And there are flaws. Like, Jokic is not a late game rim protector. And, and do they have enough defense? And are, are we trusting that, um, Michael Porter Jr. and everyone else is ready for these moments. I, 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 I think Jokic is. I'm not sold completely on the rest of the team. That said, I don't know. There's nobody better in the West. Like, there's nobody better suited for playoff basketball. I just, I think they're the best thing going. I'm just, I'm hesitant still just because I haven't seen them yeah, do it I hear at it. that level. Yeah. I hear it. I hear the hesitancy. It's there. It's just, <laughs> it's just right there. It's just in. It's just floating through the air. Well, now that I got you on a hesitancy thing, now I'm gonna. I need you to. There's a big topic, and I already brought it up. I want to know where you stand on it. Jokic MVP. So we're getting down to the end of the year. Yeah. A lot of conversation about this. Uh, a lot of elements have been have been mentioned. In this uh, on this yeah. MVP campaign, where do you stand on Jokic, perhaps getting a third straight MVP? I'm glad you're asking me that question because the the meta of talking about talking about the race is is just yeah. getting a little <laughs> over the top for me. Like, it, and it is getting right. as it, as everything in our society must be now. It just is becomes ridiculously divisive. Jokic the MVP. I'll just tell you where I'm at, which is. It's a regular season award for this year. And in that setting, Jokic is the front runner. I don't know that I'm going to, I think it's a three-man race. It's him. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. It's Joel Embiid. With all due respect to Jason Tatum and, and now Luka Doncic, especially if he's going to miss a little time with this thigh injury. Fortunately, it's nothing serious, but I, I think they both fall. They're going to be fourth, fifth in whatever order. It's going to be Jokic, um, Jokic Embiid, Antetokounmpo. I'm not totally sure who I'm going to vote for, but I think Jokic is the front runner with, what if we asked of him coming into the season? I don't know if we can vote for him again, unless, you know, he gets that team to be like the number one seed and he almost averages a triple double. Ta-da, here you go. Like, so I just, I don't know what else we can ask of him in the regular season and it's still a regular season award. Yeah, it, it's a regular season award. I'm wondering, uh, and I, I bet the answer is right there in front of me, but I, I can't, I can't pinpoint it. Maybe you can. I don't remember. You use the word divisive. I think you're 100% right. It is. It's become a divisive race. Now, in the NBA league offices, they're like, what do you mean divisive? This is great. This is awesome engagement. This is what this is what we talk about in our conference room. We got, uh, you know, we've got presentations on this. Our fans are giving us exactly what we want, but I don't remember it being like this 10 years ago. What do you think the turning point was? When it, it's not just, hey, I want this person to win MVP. It's like, okay, if my guy doesn't win, I'm going in. And it's not just fans. Yeah. I mean, players too. Like, players get upset about it. Like, what, what do you think the turning point was? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I, because I think it's a bigger issue than just sport. The 24-7 sports talk cycle. It's, I mean, we do this with politics. Frankly, we're probably going to do this on Monday morning with the Oscars. And we're going to, oh, all quiet on the Western Front should have won, or whatever whatever movie you're into. I, I feel like that's just become the societal discourse on everything, and so MVP falls into that, sports talk falls into that, and it does send a follow along 
the fault lines of society, which certainly involves race right now, as it should. But yeah, I'm not. Yeah, in this particular case, well, frankly, probably in a lot of cases, but in this particular case, it's such a. I don't want to say that's not an issue, but it's such a large, nuanced issue, part of a million other issues of hey, well, the honest people saying, well, why didn't he win three straight? Yeah, see, see, look, not only not only has race race factored into it, and I remember that it started with maybe it was Steve Nash. Yeah. Now that I think about it, Steve Nash winning back to back, and I Over think Kobe. at the time. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, so there were some whispers. Oh, wait a minute, back to back. Would he have won if so? Steve Nash. So that's that's that was a racial thing. Then we even had where's Vinny Goodwill talking about beige rage right now because we had <laughs> Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, we had Steph Curry over LeBron. So now it becomes a light skin, dark skin thing. What what are we talking about yeah. here? So it. You are absolutely right. It does follow some of the um, some of the non-sports, but really sports topics yeah. uh, that that we discuss in society. It's fascinating. So, so we'll and see. I'll tell last you, thing the, before we... that that, that ahead, last to- that last that last that theme of of both race and light skin dark skin. I'll just tell you that is discussed in locker rooms. That's not like you and me and some media people sitting around. Like that's. Players throwing that stuff around right now. Yeah, that's right. I'm with the dark skins. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just put on record. Right now. I'm with the dark skins. Okay. All right. I'm spinning out. I'm just kidding. All right. Last thing before we let you go, Kurt. Uh, I want you to hear uh, again this uh, very eloquent speech from Fred Van Vliet uh, after last night's Raptors loss. Here he is. I don't mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um, Ben Taylor was terrible tonight. Um, I thought that on most nights, you know, a couple of the, you know, out of the three, there's one or two that just the game up, you know, and it's, it's, it's been like that a couple, couple games in a row. The third quarter, I get a bull tech, changes the whole dynamic of the game, changes the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be and um, just kind of the game up. Nobody's coming to see that shit. They come to see the players. Um, you can look up most of my texts this year have been with Ben Taylor officiating. So at a certain point as a player, you feel it's personal. In this case, I'm with the light skins. I mean, I couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better. I couldn't have said it better. Oh, now, do you think that was unfair? Because I thought that was a very, now, I know, I know he's biased because he got attacked and all this stuff. Yeah. But his comment on officiating, you, you tell me, what, what did you think of it? I'll tell you, I think the best example of what this meant was this morning, after the game, somebody came up to Marcus Smart at Celtic shoot around and it was asked him about the officiating and some questions he's had lately and he's, and he essentially said, I'm not talking about it. You've seen the Fred Van Fleet video. He speaks for us. Like, I think that hit home with players who see some officials as thin-skinned, quick-triggered. I'm Scott Foster. I'm at the free-throw line. Scotty Barnes muttering to himself, and I'm spinning and giving him a tech. There yes. are players frustrated with officials who are not and look, it's not easy to be official. <laughs> like, I don't want to pretend that that's right. an easy job, but part of that job is you you are the bad guy in every arena and you're going to get yelled at nightly and that sucks. And I'm sorry about that, but that's the gig. You, Jordan Poole's another good one. I'm glad you're showing that video. That was another just like, that's not worth a tech. All that said, I just, I, mean, come on. I think the players are I mean, frustrated the with the guys who... In, with the guys who, in, like this, in this case, there's times where they seem to go hunting disrespect. They get enough disrespect, they get fed up, and then they go hunting to lash out about it and throw war tax out. And they've just got to find a way to absorb that. And, I, and hey, we could talk about the players being more respectful, and then I think that that can be part of the conversation. That said, you can see when it boils over and there's just terrible game changing. Like you said, that changed the flow of the game in a, in a, that was a back and forth game with the Clippers last night. That tech changed the flow for the Raptors. Obviously 
the Scotty Barnes one dramatically changed the end of that game, made a three-point game, a four-point game in the final 30 seconds. It's that kind of thing. It just can't happen. All right. Hey, Kurt Heelan, you're one of my favorite writers. I didn't think I'd come out of uh, today saying two of my favorite players are Fred Van Vliet and Draymond <laughs> Green. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's, it's for what they said off the court. Some good stuff. Appreciate you, man. We'll Absolutely. catch up with you later. Talk to you soon, buddy. Go, Hey, go UC Santa Barbara tonight. Big West tournament time. When you just come from an environment of not having, and all of a sudden everything in the world that you could ever want and imagine is now at your feet. You know, people get lost in that sometimes. The clubs you couldn't get into before, now you just walk in. You know, the restaurants you couldn't get a reservation for, now you can get it. The girls you couldn't get before, now all of a sudden want you. People get lost in that. So two things can be true. He can be getting lost, and the people around him can be getting lost in that. But on the other side of that, there may be real underlining issues and stresses that he is not dealing with well, and it's better to acknowledge those things now than down Mm -hmm. the line when it's too hard to correct those behaviors. All right, that's the one and only Ashley Nicole Moss who joins us right now. You're talking about John Morant. And, and we've, we've mentioned him a, a lot in the last couple of weeks. So, so the latest on him is that he's out a minimum of four more games. We don't know how long um, mm-hmm. this absence from the Grizzlies will last. But just uh, your, your top of mind thoughts now, another day to think about where the Grizzlies are without Ja, where Ja is without the Grizzlies. Uh, what, what do you think about the situation he's in right now? I mean, the team's going to suffer, right? It's unfortunate. Um, John Morant is a star. He's one hell of a basketball player, and he's only going to get better. He's only 23 years old, so the sky is the limit for him. And unfortunately, the situation is affecting not only him and his able his ability to be productive for his team, but it's also affecting the team's ability to be productive without him at the worst possible time. You know, it's going to be expected of them to slip in the standings um, in the Western Conference, and it didn't have to be that way. But when you make choices, there are action, there are repercussions to those choices, whether good or bad. In this situation, it's bad not only for him, but it's also bad for his team. But like I said in that video, multiple things can be true, and I still stand by that. I think that John Morant is a perfect example of getting lost in the sauce. Sometimes when you get a lot, and I know people say, well, he didn't come from nothing, and he get, I'm not here to go ahead and dive and deep dive and armchair diagnose his upbringing. But what you can go ahead and agree with is that whatever he had growing up is not even a fraction of what he has as an NBA player. That level of access is completely different. And I know people say, well, he's not a rookie. Correct. But his star has drastically risen in the last year. And that comes with a lot more eyes. That comes with a lot more access. It just comes with a lot more stuff. So I believe that between getting lost in that a little bit and also maybe not being able to deal with the drastic incline of his star in a healthy way, it's just a a, a snowball effect. And we're seeing the results of that here. You know what, Ashley, I I just thought about this. Um, And I think part of it was, I'll give Paul Pierce credit for Mm -hmm. leading me to this thought because he made an idiotic point. Pierce did, but I'm going to give him credit because he led me to think about what I would need in this situation. So, Paul mm-hmm. Pierce, if you missed it, did you see his tweet? Did you see his tweet? I did. Did you see I did. Tweet? Yeah. Dude, dude, okay. Let me ask you, Paul. Oh, 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 here we go. So, Paul Pierce says, hey, we glorify and normalize all the rappers mm-hmm. wave guns and make millions. I'm trying to understand, uh, make this make sense, spell wrong. What crime did mm-hmm. he commit? All right, so, Paul. So I, I remember that meeting, Paul Pierce, when when all the uh, NBA teams and the commissioner got together and said, "Hey guys, since it's it's worked so well in hip hop and aspects of hip hop, I want you all to show your guns when you go into when you go into clubs, right. show your guns. Right. And then if you have a deal, if you happen to have a deal with Nike, Nike will like it when you do this. I mean, just an idiotic mm-hmm. point from Paul Pierce. I can't believe he, I, he must have been trolling. 
He's missing a really important part. He's a basketball player, not a rapper, as Shaq said. And uh, yeah, yeah, you can, yeah. you know, the saying, the saying, what's good for the goose, what's good for the gander, sounds good, but that's not always the case. You know, an NBA player is held to a drastically different standard than a rapper. You know, rappers tend to, yeah. you know, monetize off of that that whole persona, right? But in the NBA. Right. It's about what you do on the court. It's a team sport. You're a reflection of a business. As a rapper, those record labels know exactly what they get when they sign certain rappers, and that rapper represents themselves. They don't represent an entire multi-billion organization, other teams, future players. Like it just—it's a drastically different comparison. So I'm not quite sure what he was trying to get at that, but it's not really remotely close to the same thing. So. I don't know what he was trying to get at either, but I, I but this is where it led me. So what? Okay, mm -hmm. if I were in this position, if I if I'm in this position, or if I know somebody in this position, what are the two things, or you know, a, a couple of things that I really want that person to have to protect them? And I would say the number one thing I, I want them to do is be around a, a small group of people, a small mm -hmm. inner circle that includes. Some people who say no. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want I don't want a bunch of yes women and yes men around me. I want mm -hmm. some people who will tell me no, and uh, I, I think I need some and more boundaries. I think everybody, whether they're famous or not, Listen, needs, every good relationship needs boundaries, right? Every everybody can't come, Michael. And what I mean by that is, I think there's this mentality, yeah. especially with our within our community, that you kind of want to take everybody with you, your day ones. You want to take this cousin and that cousin and this aunt and that aunt and this uncle and that uncle's uncle's aunt. Like you want to take everybody because that's kind of how we're brought up is to to keep it within the family, you know, whether that's blood or whether that's just family by choice. But one thing you learn, especially as you get older, and again, this goes to John Morant being young, is that you realize that people are in your life for reasons and for seasons and not everybody can come. And there's a lot of people from your day ones, you know, from from your old hood, your old neighborhood, whether that's middle class, lower middle class, whether that's the projects, whether that's the gated community, that may not always have the best interests or your best interests at heart. And you have to go ahead and hire and fire accordingly. Because at the end of the day, John Morant is the CEO of John Morant and the business and the brand that is John Morant. And he needs to go ahead and realize what is an asset to that business and what is a liability to that business and move accordingly. And unfortunately, that does not always come easy to young guys it's, or young women. It's something you unfortunately have to learn the hard way because you kind of want to take everybody with you because you're like, well, they were friends with me when I wasn't anyone. Well, you're somebody now. And sometimes you got to go ahead and be like, it's been real. It's no animosity, but you can't come with me. And that's it's a it's a lesson you that you learn with time. All right, let, let's switch it up here uh, in the time that we have left and and talk about Lamar Jackson. You have some mm -hmm. uh, interesting things to say. I want you to listen mm -hmm. to you, and then we'll come back <laughs> and, 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 then, and then we'll talk with you if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> The Ravens keep saying the same things. I can't imagine life without a quarterback, and Lamar Jackson's our guy, and we're gonna have a deal done by this date, and it's. When is it actually going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, when are you actually going to change? Whether you, when are you actually going to make sure that your words and your actions meet? We are very much aware that you cannot win in the NFL without a franchise quarterback. We are very much aware that Lamar Jackson is your guy. Are you aware of that? They're well, not aware. Apparently, they're not. They're not aware. Apparently, they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're not aware. And let me ask you this because I mentioned that I mentioned the five desperate teams, the five most desperate teams for Lamar Jackson. On my list was not Atlanta. Atlanta mm -hmm. should be on there too, along with many others. W what's your take on teams not really rushing to even have a conversation, not sign them, to even have a conversation yeah. with Lamar Jackson? It's a big, it's a big C word. It's collusion. That's what it is. I mean, it's pretty obvious. I don't think that it takes a rocket scientist to figure that out. 
Um, you know, none of these teams, I believe, are even in a position, minus the Raiders, perhaps, to even be able to utilize Lamar Jackson in the way he deserves to be utilized. I mean, he's a quarterback who can win you a Super Bowl in the right situation. I want to say four out of those five teams are kind maybe I'll, I'll give the commanders some credit. So I'll say three out of the five teams are just in disarray. Like, you don't want him to go there. But... It's unfortunate that we just came off of a season where Deshaun Watson got an astro- an astronomical amount of money before the 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 results of his situation were even solidified. And now you have a Lamar Jackson. We're always preaching about the intangibles. The intangibles. Is he a locker room guy? But how is he off the court? How does I mean the field? How does he represent the brand? How does he represent the organization? You have a guy who meets all of those intangibles, and yet it's still not enough. I don't know how else you can explain it, except there's something in the water, and if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's definitely a little fishy in the NFL, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of teams, and and I just mentioned those five, Atlanta is six. There are some teams that we've gotten so used to the way they do business, we just kind of ignore them. Okay, I'll, I'll give you an example. The Steelers. Mm-hmm. We're so used to the Steelers. Oh, no, they don't spend in free agency. They wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. It's a divisional. You got Kenny Pickett at quarterback. No disrespect. You got Kenny Pickett. And Lamar Jackson is twice as good as Kenny Pickett. Mm-hmm. And you can take the quarterback away from your divisional opponent. You should be having a conversation at the least. I'm not saying sign him. But th- th- like I-, I just don't understand how you're not even doing. You're, you're not kicking tires. Shame on all of them. I think San Francisco. San Francisco's another one. Well, San Francisco's a Jimmy weird situation Gr- because they 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 put a lot of stock into Trey Lance. I think they're going to have to go ahead and stick with that okay. horse for a little but, while. But they but they were going to roll with Purdy. But Purdy's hurt. That's true. Purdy's not going to be there at the beginning of the season. Jimmy Garoppolo. You said you're not bringing him back. Now you got it's Trey suspect. Lance, unproven. There's something fishy going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Ashley, always great talking with you. You know, you know you can stop by anytime. Just come on through. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm laughing because our producer Gary Carter is a Syracuse guy. And I, I, I told him I was going to mention Jim Beheim. Another time I'll go off on my, my Bayheim rant. I, I just think it's interesting that he told us he's going to retire for the first time, what, 20 years ago? Was it 10 years ago? He finally did it. I mean, he finally did it. Um, and he didn't want to do it. He was on the job for 47 years and won one national championship. But the tributes are great. One national championship in 47 years. Okay. Hey, thanks for hanging out. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.